0: Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon. First, uh, apologies for no podcast last week. uh, As my summer has been, I was traveling quite a bit. I planned to record at least one from the Nice Wonger Children's Hospital Classic, a great event uh, held in Virginia for the hospital there. Uh, And sadly, weather did not cooperate. We had some uh, interviews and such lined up, but uh, Mother Nature pushed a lot of those back and ended up shortening a little bit of the event still uh, an amazing event so many uh, uh athletes came out to support the hospital and um it was just cool it was it was played at an amazing golf course and uh, really a top notch uh, event so uh, any info you want it's a uh, nice wonger is n i s w o n g e r golf.org like i said it's a great cause uh, they have a big event every year i mean it's like 10 days long of golf and concerts Vince Gill was singing uh, it was a it was a pretty special week for sure. Uh, from there, I went to Atlanta uh, to the Top Golf, getting ready for a thing they have called Top Golf Tour, uh, where registration is now open. If you go to tour.topgolf.com, basically Top Golf has decided uh, we know we get a lot of people here to, to have fun playing golf and, and, and coming that, that maybe don't really uh, know much about the game or are or, or, or new to golf in general. Uh, what they've decided is why don't we have a competition? And it's really the most open golf competition that, that, that's ever been had. I mean, uh, you can have mixed gender teams. You can have all male, all female. They're competing against each other. Of course, Golf not a place that's uh, really concerned about distance. I mean, the longest target, I think, is only 215 yards. So they're going to be competing in 16 venues around the, the country, uh, all concluding in Las Vegas in November for, for the finals. Uh, I'm helping them out with, with Top Golf Tour and just kind of getting going and hosting some of the events. So it's it's super cool. I already mentioned it, but if you go to tour.topgolf.com, uh, that's where you can kind of sign up and register. It's first come, first serve. They're going to do a big announcement this week, uh, but I just wanted to let you guys know in, a little early um, so you can go and maybe get a get a team in. I mean, if, if you get through it, the the final check's 50 grand. So uh, pretty good pretty good little thing. I think it's going to be super cool. I, I, I will say this. Shooting at Topgolf, I was there with the Brian Bros. Uh, we were shooting some video and some content and such. Top golf, not a bad spot to be stuck uh, shooting stuff for eight to ten hours because between shoots, between anything we were doing, uh, it was it was some massive top golf competition going down and, and a pretty good place. My hands were sore. I literally had blisters. I hit so many golf shots. So not a bad day of work, I guess you could say. But alas, that's what was happening. Golf has been happening. Of course, Dustin Johnson, incredibly impressive once again this weekend at Firestone. Uh, he's now finished in the top five in his last four starts. Of course, winning the last two, and uh, and now he's clearly atop this list that uh, really we'd been touting and talking about uh, for months leading up to to the U.S. Open and beyond. I mean, with the Olympics, the schedule obviously incredibly condensed this summer. Three majors being played in 45 days, not to mention stuff like the Firestone and Memorial and such, all crammed in there as well. And it was really one of those situations I really expected somebody to emerge as kind of the front runner to make a run at these majors and have a chance to maybe win two or three of them. And now of course, Dustin is atop that list. You know, Dustin is a player. We've talked about how far he hits the ball and how athletic he is and all that stuff. I mean, we've talked about that uh, to the cows come home, but you know, this is a guy that is leaning on his putter right now and he's using it as a weapon. I mean, he was eighth in strokes game putting at Firestone this past week. You know, Jason day seemed to be in command for most of the weekend, but Dustin just never let up. I mean, he made those late birdies, Makes that clutch putt on 17 as as kind of Jason Day was having a little mini meltdown, if you will, uh, on some tough holes there at Firestone. So, you know, again, I mean, a guy that, that, that the putter has let him down at times. And if you go back to Oakmont, made some big putts on 16 and 17. Uh, obviously made the birdie putt on 18 when it was all said and done. But, you know, this is a guy that's making those 12, 18 footers that, that, that you know, you have to make that you have to make to win events to. To, to, to dominate to, to really win back to back to back and such so uh, i was incredibly impressed with the way he played of course and, and really how many fans has this guy earned or, or picked up the last couple of weeks i mean he has the whole controversy at the u.s open but but kind of pushes it aside and goes on to win and plays some really really incredible golf from 12 on um, handles it incredibly well after uh, acknowledge the crowd did the whole thing and then wins this week, has his kid, FaceTimes uh, the wife, and, and and let the cameras, let the CVS cameras in there to kind of film that. Uh, it was a very human moment, I thought. So uh, whoever is guiding DJ on some of these th- things, uh, well done, because it's been pretty, uh, pretty cool to see a little bit more of his human side, I'd say. Uh, and so that's what happened there. I mean, Dustin, you know, I mean, is there a better major venue setup for a guy than that, that a, that a link style course that demands you smoke the ball off the tee and keep it low than somewhere like Royal Troon. I mean, I think he's got to be the heavy favorite um, heading into the Open Championship. So uh, obviously, it's the Summer of Dustin. Hashtag Summer of Dustin. That is happening. But our focus, of course, uh, in the golf world focus, as it should, uh, turns this week to the LPGA Tour and the U.S. Women's Open at Court of All. Of course, we at Fox are covering it. I will be out there. My flight, uh, thank you, by the way, to all the Fox people for allowing me to spend July 4th at my house, which is pretty awesome. But uh, I will be heading out. Um, I'm going to be doing the featured groups on, uh, on Fox Sports, Fox Sports Go, USGA.com, um, all that good stuff. So uh, Lydia is going to be there, of course, Lydia Coe, um, dominating. But but really, the, the, the story, I think, this year is the emergence of Brooke Henderson. Uh, she notched her third LPGA win and second this season, already won a major. She did it this past weekend in Portland, Uh, For those that want to feel old, I wrote this on Twitter. Brooke was born five months after Tiger Woods first major championship at the 97 Masters. So she was born after Tiger's first major. So, yeah, um, I mean, there's a reason my knees kind of hurt sometimes when I wake up. Um, Henderson is now second in the world, of course, behind a one Lydia Ko, who has three titles this year herself. And a lot more veteran and a lot older than, than Brooks. She was actually just born the same month of Tiger's first major win in 97. So, uh, you know, I, I'm writing a big piece for FoxSports.com. that's probably going to drop around Wednesday about Lydia Ko and how um, I'm not sure that, that the national sports media has given her the attention she deserves. I just think that what she's done, uh, how dominant she's been, the, the, the consistency of the way she's played at this young age, uh, how, how veteran and and impressive she is just really off the golf course i mean i i talked i talked to mike juan about uh lydia yesterday on the phone for about 10 minutes he was obviously in portland at the event uh but got a chance to catch up with him a little bit and just talk to talk to he talked to me a little bit about just her and, and her age and, and and the maturity and the stuff she does i mean uh said that um, you know, she wrote a thank you note to her first pro-am partners. I mean, <laughs> what play, what golfer's ever done that? She sent chocolates to all the volunteers when she became number one in the world, you know, little things like that, that, that it, 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 it's a little Ricky Fowler ish. I mean, you know, Ricky is a guy that really gets it. I think, I mean, I think he looks beyond, uh, the round he had or the event he's playing in. And I think he sees the big picture. Uh, you know, he sees the forest, if you will. And I think Lydia is a little bit like that. And unlike, you know, Ricky, and no knock Ricky, of course, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world, but Lydia is the best, uh, you know, female golfer on the planet. And, and I think that it's amazing that we see somebody like this. And I do wish that, um, you know, she got more credit. She got more headlines. She, she, she gained more attention, um, you know, not just within the golf world, but the sports world and beyond, because you know, what she's doing is, is incredibly impressive. And, and, you know, she's on a, she's added to a list of these players that, that kind of it, but she's doing it at an age that we haven't really seen before. So. Uh, that piece will drop on Wednesday, so make sure you check out foxsports.com. Go to the golf page, uh, and you can refresh and refresh and refresh. But uh, before that, a uh, cool guest, a uh, member of the Fox team, also a two-time uh, U.S. Open champion, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, one of my my good buddies, one of the people that I've really got to, to know um, over the couple of years being with Fox, Julie Inkster. And sadly enough, I brought up the Warriors with Julie. We, we recorded it late last week, and sadly enough... No, Kevin Durant talk. We had no idea that obviously Durant was going to sign there. That news broke, you know this week. So uh, it would have been fun to hear her thoughts on that. I know she was obviously super bummed about the Warriors not winning the championship. But I uh, got to chat with, with Julie about a lot of stuff. You know, her wins at, at the U.S. opens, her losses, including a, a really heartbreaking one at, at Oakmont. Uh, she gave us a crazy story, another rule story, really, and one that I don't think is is nearly talked about enough. But uh, Julie was on. And uh and it was a fun conversation, so hope you enjoyed. Here we go. And we welcome into the clubhouse, two time US Women's Open Champion, World Golf Hall of Fame member, friend of mine, and pretty much ambassador of the game, Julie Inkster. Julie, how are you?
1: Good Shane. How are you doing today?
0: I am doing uh great. I uh I'm gonna get to something that's gonna be depressing initially, but I ask every guest my first question every time is what have you had to eat today? And I know it's early, So you maybe not, haven't had, I know you went to the gym already, so have you had anything to eat?
1: I've had zero to eat, and I'm dying, my stomach right now is growling, so um, let's get this going. Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: Okay, so we're going to (laughs) talk off, obviously, and we're going to talk the Open and all that good stuff, but I haven't talked to you about this yet, and I figured, why not just do it now? Um, You and I are both Warriors fans. You obviously have been a Warriors fan for a long time. I kind of uh, got into them when Steph went there from Davidson. So I have to ask you, what the hell happened to the team in those final three games?
1: I don't know. I know we missed Bogut, um, but you know what? Um, Kyrie Irving he was uh, he was filthy. He was he was good, and uh, you know our guys. I don't know. We just I just thought they they looked like they were going to win, and they thought they were going to win, but they didn't put the effort in.
0: You know, I don't know. Yeah, we, we were both in Pittsburgh for Game 7, um, obviously coming on the heels of, of the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Uh, I got in a little after you. There were some shuttles that would take the broadcasters back and forth, and uh, we had a little rap party on the top floor of the hotel, and I came in, and I couldn't find you anywhere, and they were telling me that you couldn't handle it. You couldn't handle being around all the, all the Cav fans. You had to go watch it in your room.
1: <laughs> I went up. I, I watched the first half down there, and it was just too stressful, so I had to go up to my room and... And I, I feel like if I focus, they're going to focus, and, and it'll work out. But uh, it didn't work out. I mean, it was 89-89 for the last like three minutes, and we could not make a shot. And uh, I was just going crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a long ride home after that.
0: Yeah, you, you and I have got to spend some time together for a, for some pretty big uh, Warriors games. We were we were watching the game when they were on that winning streak. Uh, we were in Florida for that. I think during the Franklin Templeton, and of course. Um, We get uh, we get game seven at Oakmont. So I'm pretty much sure that I'm not going to be around you for any more important Warriors games because I think you and I for some are yin and yang watching them. It is not working out. But uh, moving on, you just got back from a pretty amazing trip uh, to Washington, D.C. And I just wanted to ask, what was it like taking that 2015 winning Solheim Cup team to the White House and and how excited the players were and what was it like uh, getting to hang out with the president?
1: Well, I mean, it's an honor. Um, anytime you get invited to the white house and we had, uh, four girls, four or five girls that that have never been before. And, uh, so it was a long time, um, in coming, you know, we, we were just trying to get there and trying to work it out with his schedule. And we finally got the date. We worked, worked out perfect right after the men's open. And so we, uh, we flew there. Um, Meyer, um, flew us privately, which I'd like to thank them very much. And, uh, We met up in Washington, D.C. We had a great lunch. Um, We met the president around two. Uh, We got a nice tour of the White House. Uh, And the girls, you know, they were just, we could take pictures. And, uh, you know, it it was just to to be together again and to relive some of the moments together. Uh, And then the president came in and, and, um, you know, had a lot of nice things to say took a, um, a picture with us, and uh, he was on his way, and then we were heading to Arkansas for the Walmart.
0: And who was the most excited to meet President Obama, and who geeked out the most when he finally came in?
1: Um, I think we were all pretty excited to meet him. Uh, you know, Michelle, we knew him from Hawaii, um, so they chatted a little bit. Uh, Lizette Salas, she was really um, looking forward to the whole trip. Serena Piller. Had never been, and you know, so some of these people that have never been, um, you know, it's just such an honor to be, you know, in his house. Um, you know, the president of the United States that represents everything that uh, we like to play for, and, and uh, so it was cool. I mean, it's it's um, you, something you don't take lightly, and uh, you cherish the moments when you get to be when you get to do that, especially as a team.
0: Yeah, and and obviously the, the Solheim Cup, I mean it, it was a year ago, we're getting we're nearing about a year ago, um obviously with it concluding in September. Um it, it's old news in the sense of what went down that 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 Saturday with with Alison Lee and, and the putt and all that good stuff, but I just wanted to ask you for a minute kind of um about you, you know, I've got to hang out with you, you know, I I've, I've got to become friends with you and I know that you're a very competitive person. Uh, As a captain of players having to deal with such an unfortunate situation, and if you don't know what what I'm talking about, obviously just look it up or or pay attention to the Solheim Cup because it's awesome. But, um, you know, as a captain, you have to kind of curb your emotions. How are you able to kind of not let yourself get fiery and and almost use that moment, that controversial moment, as motivation for a team to bounce back and and have one of the most epic comebacks in golf history the next day?
1: Well, you know, Shane, I I don't think you can – try to be someone that you aren't and um so i was fired up i was i was fired up and i think when the team saw my fire i don't know maybe it helped them i i don't know but uh i i just can't turn it on and turn it off like that i i am who i am and um you know i i try to um have some type of reason why that happened but i couldn't come up with anything and um so i was the more I thought about it the more fiery I got and by the time I got <laughs> to the locker room <laughs> I let it all out and uh um and I just I just told them you know that's not how we play that's not you know how we treat our our peers in um our you know that's not how our country works so you go out and you know do do your thing and we'll be fine so it turned out well. I mean, I hate, I hate for it to happen. It just seems like something always like that happens. But, uh, um, you know, I've moved on, and um, hopefully everybody else has moved on, and I'm you know, looking forward to a 2017, uh, hopefully no drama.
0: Yeah, no drama. Do, do you feel like um, – and, and you – I mean, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you obviously think you guys are going to win until the last putt, but do you feel like that – Almost was the reason you guys went on to win because you guys now had a chip on your shoulder to, to battle back with.
1: Yeah, you know i I wish I could I wish I could foresee that and, and go back and and uh, we play it without that happening, but you can't. So I I don't know I don't know how that affected the outcome one way or the other. I know it didn't hurt us um, <laughs> at all. In fact, it it probably helped us refocus. Um, but I, I just, even that Sunday night, um, or Saturday night, I just, in my heart, I just never thought we were going to lose. And, um, you know, even when Doreen had to make that putt, you know, I asked, um, good friend of mine that was my cart driver, David Fleming. I said, Hey, what happens if, if she misses it? And he goes, we lose. And that's when I put my head down because <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't watch. And then when she made that putt, you know, and I'm looking at the board and it's all red at the end. I'm just thinking, you know, we are we're going to win this sucker. And uh, um, to, the way we won it, um, and to have, you know, there's a couple of girls on there that have never experienced winning. Um, I was really happy for them.
0: Did you ever at any point consider bringing out the Ben Crenshaw um, atrocious? Uh, picture polo shirts for Sunday for the players.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I had my daughter Haley help me with the outfits, and she wouldn't go for it. <laughs> she's,
0: she's got a bit bit more fashion than the than the ninety nine Ryder yeah, Cup yeah. shirts. It's was, yeah, it was a similar yeah. comeback though. So <laughs> if if anything, I think it would have uh it would have drawn some eyeballs to it. But uh, you know, I, I just wanted to touch on that for a minute, and I and I wanted to touch. And uh, and I know you hate talking about yourself, and, and I and I appreciate that because I think it, it says a lot about you. But I wanted to go back to 1984 for a moment. Uh, you're 24 years old. You turned pro in, in 83. You, I think you won one event in 83. Uh, you get to the Dinosaur, first major of the year, and you win that in a playoff. Then you go on to win the final major of the season, uh, to win two majors in, in one year, your second year as a professional first. What the heck were you thinking when the season ended and you now were a two-time major winner? And second, did you ever think early on in your career you had the ability to go on such a run that early?
1: Well, you know, I didn't start till I was 15, so I was always, like, playing catch-up. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, 15, 16, 17 in, you know, my local junior tournaments, I would just get pounded. But... Um, you know, I stuck at, I stuck to it. I mean, it was just something early on that once I started playing, I had such a passion for it. And I just, it was, it just intrigued me how, um, you could just do it by yourself and, um, work on it by yourself and get better by yourself and set little goals. And I, I, it was just something I, I fell in love with. And, you know, so I didn't really have a lot of callers coming in for college. Um, you know, I was a little, I was born and raised in Northern California and San Jose state, um, offered me a scholarship and I took it and, uh, played four years at San Jose state and and really developed my game there because I was able to play all the time. And then, you know, I ended up winning three U S amateurs and, and, um, you know, you never know how you're going to do, but I, I had the, I had the heart that I wanted to do. I wanted to do good. I didn't like to play poorly. And, uh, so I, I worked at it, and, and you know, you're never going to say, um, "Boy, you know, I'm going to set my goals for these two majors." I mean, I, I just kind of fell in place when I was playing well at the right time. Um, I was I was pretty inconsistent my first few years. You know, I'd win, and then I miss a couple cuts, and I'd win, and uh, so I learned I learned later on in my life how to play a little more consistent. But winning those first two majors was you know was huge for me. I, I, I Looking back on my career, I mean, when they say seven majors, I, I kind of shake my head and say, whoa, you know, how did I do that? But, you know, it's just a process.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you feel like uh, this day and age in 2016, uh, I mean, you obviously, like I said, you, you had such early success at the big events. Um, do, do you see these players pressing to win these things early? Because they know if they don't, they'll start getting the questions over and over again about when are you going to win a major or when are you going to win one of the big ones?
1: Um, you know, I really, I really don't see that. Um, you know, these, these girls are out, these ladies, these young women out here that are playing now are just, um, they're just incredible golfers. Their golf swings, the power they have. Um, but you know what they, I, I think with, they don't feel, they, they don't really, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say the history of the game, but they just, they just try to, You know, win every week, and whether it's a major or a regular tournament, they don't really care. And I think my generation was really into the majors. And I, I, I'm not sure because we have a lot of tournaments and we travel around the world, and you know, um, like um, we have a different uh, diversity of players. And you know, they would rather win maybe the Korean Open than the U.S. Open, or they, um, you know, the Swedish Open. So I, I don't I don't know if it has the same um, value as when we grew up, the majors like the U.S. Open and the Dinosaur and the LPGA Championship, and it was the Canadian then or the British. So I think times have changed a little bit, um, but um, you know they just play every week to win.
0: And a lot of them win a lot, and we'll get to a couple of the names here in a bit, but um, yeah. your, your first U.S. Women's Open title came... Uh, in 1999 but you had a great shot to win at Oakmont in 1992 correct correct <laughs> yeah and if you and I, I just wanted to ask if you don't mind you don't you don't have to go back to this I'm not asking about negative things for the most part but if you could because you've told me you, you filled me in a little bit on the story and and I, and I just find it so amazing because if it happened in 2014 um it would have been it would have been a, been a, a very major story in sports so yeah. can you just kind of walk yeah. me through what happened the final three or four holes in 92 at that at that open and it, with you obviously having a chance to win at, at Oakmont hosting the the, the first uh, really major uh, event there for for, for, for women
1: sure um, so patty Sheehan and I were were neck and neck Um I'm four under, she's two under, going into 17, and um, we both lay up, uh, and then we have, we're in the fairway, and we have a rain delay. So uh, there's only myself, group, and then I think we're the only group on the, on, on, uh, the course. I think the group in front of us ended up finishing. So uh, we go in for an hour and a half, well, maybe hour and 45 minutes, come back out. And, um, she birdies 17, um, and I par and then 18, she hits her drive right, um, in the rough and it's wet and it's thick and, you know, there's no way she's going to get it on the green from there. And I hit it down the middle and I'm on the left side of the fairway and all of a sudden I see her taking a drop and, you know, Patty's a really good friend of mine and I was, I should have gone over there and questioned it, but I didn't. And so she, every time I walked by there last week when I was doing the um, <laughs> men's coverage oh, for no. the USA, I, I stood on that knoll and said, there's no way that she could get a drop from there. But anyway, she ended but, up... Julie, she, lady she, lady dropped gave, it, she dropped it She
0: dropped in the fairway, right?
1: Yes. They gave her a drop in the fairway, which which was unheard of. And every time I see Mike Davis, I I... I I get on him for that, and and he he understands. So it was the worst ruling in the history. But anyway, <laughs> Patty's credit. She hit it on the green and made the putt and made birdie. I made par, and then we had a playoff the next day. And I think she shot seventy one, and I think I shot seventy four,
0: and I lost. And and yeah, so it,
1: it was it was heart, it was heartbreaking. Oh, I it could only
0: imagine. I mean, ninety two. Yeah. You're sitting there thinking this is yours to be had. I mean. Somebody has to birdie the final two holes, but um, the ruling that happened that nobody ever talks about. I mean, had you did you did you ask for clarification following it? I mean, did you did, did it, I mean? I'm sure it hung oh, on, yeah. on you for weeks.
1: Oh yeah, that the um, Anne Beard. I'll never forget. She was the lady that gave her the drop, and I I when I got done, I questioned it, and she kind of just she didn't really clarify it. She just kind of said casual water, and I said, well. How can you have casual water on a side hill um, and, you know, and then give her a free relief in the fairway? And I said, that that was the wettest spot of the whole thing. And she goes, well, we just couldn't find uh, a dry spot. And, and, you know, Patty just pretty much told her this is where she was dropping it. And, but, you know, it's, I ended up finally winning and um, it was, it was sweet. And because, you know, I I would hate to have to be that be my only real chance at an Open. And I think that's what's so hard about winning an Open is, you know, for myself, that was a tournament I wanted to win. Um, Growing up, that's a tournament I wanted to um, represent. I wanted to be you could go anywhere in the world and say, hey, you're a U.S. Open champion and people get that. and to to do my career and have the career I had and not win a U.S. Open, I mean, I still would have had a great career, but I would have felt um, something that I I've, I missed. So um, I was lucky in '99 and 2002 to win, and um, you know that's kind of the
0: way it ended. Yeah, I mean, when the when the ruling stuff was happening at Oakmont with Dustin and and of course the. The twelfth hole, the twelfth tee. Were you were you, were you? were you? Were you feeling flashback. a little
1: flashback? I was feeling. I think. I don't know if it was a hot flash or a flashback, <laughs> but I started, I started sweating. I mean, I felt for this guy. I mean, I just. I, you know I just I don't get sometimes why they have to make golf so tough, and you know it's tough anyway, and then you throw stuff out there like that. Um, you know, it just, you know, it ruins really what he did and how he played, to me.
0: When when that was going down, when 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 the ruling for Dustin was going down, and of course, everybody in Fox is kind of scrambling around. You know, I, I've been asked on the radio a few times, what were you guys being told? And I was saying the same thing you guys were being told. I mean, we were finding out all the information it, it, it live, just like viewers were and people on Twitter were and such. Um, but, you know, what were you thinking that if, if this somehow affected Dustin's chances of actually winning this U.S. Open, is there a chance that this guy's just going to believe he snake bit? Because, I mean, you look at all of the majors that he's been so close to winning, and there's always been a little bit of a factor. Chambers Bay's greens, or a Whistling Straight Bunker, you know, or even Pebble having hit a left-handed golf shot. He gets another one of those situations, and I mean, were you feeling for Dustin, or were you just kind of upset at, the, at what was actually happened with the rules?
1: Well, I was totally feeling for Dustin just as a player, and I also was feeling sorry for the, the you know the Lowrys and um, the Brandon Graces and the, you know the people that were um, you know trying to win a tournament because they didn't really know what was going on. But you know I, the thing I admire about Dustin so much is is his fortitude and his I mean I know it's his DNA makeup that. You know, golf is kind of what he does, but it's not really who he is. And stuff like that, he kind of lets roll off of him. And I, you know, it's a, it's impressive that he can do that. I mean, a lot of people, it would crush. Um, it would crush me. And my if, if, if someone came up to me on the twelfth tee and told me that, I would be a mess because you know, I'm now I'm thinking, okay, did I cause it to move? Did I not cause it to move? And he, you know, he was adamant that he did not cause that ball to move. And, you know, I, I would totally agree with him. I, I still don't really agree with the ruling. Um, but, you know, he, he, I mean, he hit a few, you know, wayward shots after 12. But, you know, he got it back together and, you know, made a great par on 16 and and finished it off. So, um, but I, I just think, I just think with, with Oakmont's greens and the emulation and the 100% POA, it's it's not a it's not a definite thing. I mean, you know, grass grows. Um, it's I just think that he did not cause that ball to move.
0: And I mean, I I think I think most I think that everybody has kind of uh, of weighed in at some point on it. Even obviously the USGA with the statement they released. So. You know, while it was obviously a, a strange situation, I think one we're not used to seeing in golf, it was kind of nice to see Dustin move on. I, I wanted to ask you: uh, we mentioned '99 uh, at Old Waverly, but you hold the, the record for the for the lowest uh, for the lowest cumulative score there at, at, at a U.S. Women's Open. What clicked that week, and how did the course play for you to go out there and shoot 16 under?
1: Well, it, it played soft because they had a lot of rain. I mean, it's a great golf course, and I was I was kind of I was going into there. Playing well, and I, I'll never forget when I was. In, you know, I don't. I don't remember a lot of stuff, but I do remember this. I remember driving in to Old oh, Wa- Waverly, and you know, I, was, I thought I was playing well, and I, I just told myself driving in. I said, "Okay, this is probably one of the weakest fields we have all year because we have a lot of amateurs and stuff." I he, and I just said, "You know, this is your tournament. You you need to play and play to win, and you know, get your stuff." get your act together and I played a great first round and I just started clicking and but I have to say in all my golf career Saturday night was the toughest night I ever had because I had like a seven shot lead or (laughs) six shot lead and it was it was mine to lose and I think that is just so hard to play um because I'm not one to play conservative but I felt like you know I I played conservative and um, it it was just a really tough round for me.
0: And how did that compare to to Prairie Dunes in 'O two when, when you won when your second? Because um, obviously that that the scores and, and the way it played um, are, are a little bit more of what probably the USGA would like to see uh, at their national championships.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny you know Prairie Dunes. You know, I have a huge history of Prairie Dunes. Um, I won my first U.S. The amateur there in 1980. And, um, you know, they they ended up having the the Women's Open in 2002, and I had not been back to Prairie Dunes since I won that amateur. And to go back there, um, and I, I have to say, in 99, I was playing really good. In 2002, I was struggling with my swing. And um, I just kind of hung in there the first few days uh, I was, I ended up, I don't know, I think I was maybe two behind Annika going to the last round and I had a perfect pairing. I was in front of her and, um, I was playing with a girl named Shaney Waugh, who's a really good friend of, of mine. And on the range that I, that night, the Saturday night, I was the last one on the range, just trying to find something that I could take to the course on, uh, on Sunday and I found a little something I just tried to make a little little more of a turn um on my back swing get my swing a little longer and uh, the next morning I came out and it seemed to be still working and so I took that to the golf course and I started to hit the ball better and I I was putting I mean, it was just like I was putting into a coffee can. I mean, everything I looked at went in. And, you know, those greens are so tough. I don't know if you ever played out there. I mean, even a four-footer breaks, you know, a cup. Um, But I just, it was just, uh, it was an amazing round. And I I think I shot 66 to win by two and to beat Annika, which um, was a great, you know, great thrill for me
0: what's the biggest difference uh, in the LPGA now compared to when you were not only starting off your career, but also when you were kind of dominating and winning um, a lot back in the, in the late nineties and early two thousands.
1: Well, technology has just changed so much. Um, But uh, I would say, uh, you know, these girls, they're ready to come out and play and win um, at 16, 17, 18. Um, You know, they don't, we all went to college. They, they um, most of them, don't go to college. Uh, they just come out and play. Um, you know, they have they have grown up with in the era of um, TrackMan and video, and uh, their swings are just um, so on point. They've grown up with teachers that know how to teach the game and know how to um, make them practice so they're so they're better. We we never practiced. We just go out and play, and uh, I mean, for us to you know spend an hour on the range was unheard of. Um, you know, we'd go from our car, hit a few balls, and and then we'd play 36. Um, so I mean, it's just a different era of how people practice and how they prepare compared to where when I was growing up. And when I you know when I started the tour. You could probably shoot maybe a seventy three, seventy four, and still win if you had a good weekend. You can't do that out here now. Uh, you got to have four solid rounds to compete.
0: And uh, and obviously, somebody that's doing exactly what you're talking about. And I knew we'd get to her. I just wanted to take a few minutes before we got to Lydia. But um, I mean, wh- I I'm writing a big piece on Lydia Co next week or th- this week for uh, for dot com. Just um, basically touching on the fact that we have this 19-year-old player that, that's number one in the world and she's winning majors and winning events and, and dominating the sport. And I feel like um, the national media and the national sports media isn't paying enough attention to her. So I just wanted to ask first, um, why is Lydia Ko so good? And then second, why do you feel like people aren't paying enough attention to her when she deserves and continues to uh, impress enough to, to, to really uh, garnish that, that, that enough attention?
1: Well, I think the reason why Lydia Ko is so good is because all aspects of her game are great. Um, she drives the ball well, her approach shots are good, and she's good chipper and putter. Um, I think, um, and she's got a great head on her shoulder. I mean, you can't tell if she's shooting sixty-eight or seventy-eight. She's a little bit like Lorena Ochoa in that way. Um, she just uh, plays the game. Uh, it doesn't matter if she gets off to a fast start or a slow start she's just going to kind of keep doing her thing and I, I think one why she doesn't get the attention is she's a woman and or a girl and you know we're women are we're always trying to um find our niche um in the media for uh our sports and it's it's an uphill climb but i don't i don't think she has um any wow factor as far as, you know, um, um, explosive golf game, like, a um, uh, Michelle, Wie or a Suzanne Pedersen or, a, um, Aria, uh, um, you know, these, these girls, they bomb the ball and they have a wow factor. Lydia, she'll just hug you to death. Right. And, um, which, which is great. I mean, I would, I mean, she's just a great number one, Player for us. She's great with the media. She's great with her peers. She has the respect of her peers. She plays the game the way it should be played. And um, I, I, I wish she would be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, I wish she'd be on the cover of Golf Week. And I wish people would give her really the respect that she's due because um, what she's done in her young career is amazing.
0: Well, and, and she, like you said, she continues to live up to the hype in, in a way that I think we haven't really seen since, uh, I mean, you know, you can throw Jordan Spieth in there if you want, um, but, you know, I mean, Tiger Woods. I, one of the things that I think is so impressive about athletes, I and mean, you're such a big sports fan, um, you know, it's you, you see guys like LeBron or, or Tiger that, that had this hype headed into their professional careers, and they've lived up to it, and Lydia's like that. I mean, she came in, people had no idea, that she'd be able to do what she's doing. And she's just continued to get better and better and better every year. And she's not even 20 years old. I think that's, what's so amazing is we're seeing this person dominate the sport yet. It seems like we forget that she's around almost. And I don't know if it's because of what you said. I mean, if it's just cause she's just, she just bores you to death with her fairways and greens hit <laughs> making 15, 20 footers for birdie.
1: Yeah. And you know, and I think it, which was sad is a lot of people haven't seen her play. I mean, it's like, you know, every day, every weekend, you know, Jordan Speeze playing, you know, the national um you know, United States are all they're all watching. You know, we're on we're kinda on golf channel, you know, we're we're not at a set time and I I don't think a lot of people get a chance to really see how good she is. And uh she is. I mean she she doesn't have um to fire like a Jordan Spieth. um She's more laid back, um, like a Dustin Johnson, but she doesn't have the power of Dustin Johnson. Um, she's more probably like a Zach Johnson. So she's just, um, there's just, uh, she's just such a nice vanilla girl that I think a lot of people, um, forget about her. And, uh, um, but you know what? I love watching her play. I love the way she works herself around a golf course and So many people could learn from just watching her. So many young players. Yeah. I mean, even the men, even the men players, could learn how she works herself around a golf course.
0: And if you want to watch her this week, you can obviously watch her on USGA.com. I'll be hosting the featured groups, and we're going to have her on Thursday, Friday for sure. So uh, obviously, you can watch every shot Lydia Co hits, which will be pretty exciting. I'm excited to watch. Uh, eighteen holes with her obviously enjoy um, watching her play golf and speaking of obviously the the, the u s women's open uh it's at court of all uh, down the street from you um what type of player will have success at this golf course
1: well um I haven't been out there to, 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 uh, yet I'm, I'm heading out there today um to see it but it depends on the rough it's it they could they could play it long um and if the rough isn't up much, I think it's gonna be someone that can uh, bomb the ball. Um, maybe like a um, Lexi Thompson or Jarena Pillar or um um uh, let's see, who else is uh Arya Jutanagon, she's playing great. Um or, you know, Lydia's gonna be up there just because she's just so consistent. Um but uh if it if they do have the rough up and um then i think it's going to fit right into someone like Olivia co uh she's uh she hits her approach shot approach shot so good and these are the greens the greens have a lot of quadrants on them you got to hit them in the right spot um you know there's some definite birdie holes out there but there's a lot of holes you just want to make par and and move on uh so i, I think it's going to be an interesting mix of one, how the USGA sets it up because they could set it up where one day you're hitting five iron in and the next day you're hitting wedge in, which I think is fun to play as a player. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting out there and, and seeing how it, 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 uh, it plays.
0: Okay, I'm going to ask you some quick questions and I'll let you go. First, what's the best part about being a captain of a Solheim Cup?
1: Uh, boy, that's a good one. Just hanging with the girls and having the respect of your team.
0: Um, Next year, you have to have somebody make an eight-footer to win the cup. Is there a player that pops in your head that comes to mind that you feel the most confident putting out there to make the putt?
1: Morgan Pressel.
0: You get to play 18 holes with Steph Curry or 18 holes with President Obama? Who are you picking? Curry. Is there a golf course on your bucket list that you've yet to play? No. (laughs) You've won 31 LPGA titles, seven majors, is there anything else out there that you wish or hope to accomplish in golf specifically?
1: Um You know what? I've been pretty fortunate. Uh you know, I think um representing and co in and in, in, in captaining the Solheim Cup team was probably the icing on the cake for me. It was the best experience I've ever had. And I'm looking forward to doing it in two thousand
0: seventeen. I wanna I wanna
1: try to get better at that announcing thing. Fox, so um, that's kind of something I want to start working on.
0: If you go 2-0 at Solheim as a captain, or are you dropping the mic and walking off? She gone. She gone.
1: <laughs> I'm on.
0: And finally, my final thing, and we've talked about this, and I'm pretty sure it was between about wine glass 3 and 4, so it's fine if you can say no, but we've talked about rounding your game into shape for the next time the British Open goes to St. Andrews. I obviously caddied there when I got out of college for a few months if you want to do that I am in and I'll pay my own way so just remember that if you need a caddy for, okay, for, for I, a run
1: I was just going to say I can't afford you but <laughs> oh, come on. Way. I'm,
0: I'm free you, you, all I got to do is carry it and you have to put up with my terrible jokes that's it
1: okay you're in Just you know, you got to you got keep up you got to show up and you got to shut up
0: That's, that's, so that's those that's exactly your three right. things Julie, that's, a, I, that's
1: a chatty 101.
0: That's exactly right. I appreciate uh, you coming on. Obviously, you can watch Julie uh, all week at the Open. We're excited to go to Court of All. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and, of course, we'll have a ton of digital con- content as well, so you can follow your favorite players, including Lydia Ko. Julie, I appreciate the time.
1: Shane, okay, looking forward to seeing you in a couple days.
0: And that'll do it for the Clubhouse this week. As I mentioned, uh, keep your eyes on uh, Fox Sports Go. Keep your eyes... On uh, FS1 and Fox, uh, U.S. Women's Open is going to be pretty great. I'm really excited about, uh, about Court of All and, and getting up there and getting going. I mean, uh, you know, it's crazy. The, the the U.S. Open was weeks ago now, and, and we're turning our attention to, to an LPGA Tour that is young and vibrant and, and has a lot of big names that, that are vying for this championship. So it'll be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week. We've got a couple of really fun guests coming up. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Do it for me. Come on. This is free. I'm I'm giving you words in your ears for free. Uh, If you have a comment, uh, you can email us at theclubhousewithshanebacon at gmail.com. The Twitter account is at theclubhousepod. I am at Shane Bacon. And if you have a a question or or really anything, if you want to throw it up on Twitter, just use the hashtag ClubhouseSB, and we will see it. Um, Hope you had a great July 4th. Hope you didn't drink too many American beers, and we'll talk to you next week.